What is up? Welcome back to the Pack Center Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything Nevada athletics, episode 134. I am your host, my hand, if I'm here with my co-host, Isaiah Bros. Isaiah, we got a big, we got a big weekend ahead of us, man, especially how, Friday night. How many times have we said that these past three weeks, just how impactful these games have been? No, I would say well, okay, which games are which, which games are you specifying? I mean, I was just saying in terms of Nevada football and Nevada basketball together. Just how impactful each week has been and how we've been saying just how big of an impact each week has been, I would say. Okay. Well, yeah, we have said that a lot. Just thinking back on it. This is no exception, though. It's another big week. <laughs> it's an, uh, yeah, it's another big week. Um, do you want to go over the Mountain West title scenarios again for the listeners who didn't? Yeah, who, let's give them another headache. Yeah, I mean, let, why yeah, not? Let's, let's, let's make them just think about it more and put it into their brain again. Okay, so... Again, for Nevada, Nevada, Boise State, and San Jose State are the only three teams who are in contention for the Mountain West title game, which will be played next Saturday, December 19th. The location still not determined because the host is the team with the best record in the conference. That's to be determined, and I don't think the time has been announced either. But anyways, for Nevada to make the Mountain West title game, Nevada will have to win tomorrow night, Friday night, versus San Jose State, who is 5-0 and on the season. And they will need Boise State, who is 4-1 on the season, 4-0 in conference. They will need Boise State to beat Wyoming this weekend. Those are That's really the only way they can make it, and in that scenario, they would play Boise State. If Nevada loses tomorrow night against San Jose State, Nevada is automatically eliminated from contention. They have no chance of making it. It would automatically be Boise State and San Jose State, regardless of how the Boise State-Wyoming game turns out on Saturday. But Nevada will have to win, and they will also have to root for Boise State, which is unheard of. It's unprecedented. No Nevada fan will ever, ever root for Boise State ever again. Probably not. But this week they have to to make it to the Mountain West Championship game. Yep. Because as the tiebreaker is now, and and let's go over it again. The reason why Nevada would have to have Boise State win the game would be because the tiebreaker, according to the Mountain West, would be the head-to-head record against common teams that all three of them played, or at least the highest common team, and the highest common team is that all three of them have played is Hawaii. Nevada lost to Hawaii, while San Jose State and Boise State both beat Hawaii earlier in the season. And so... Nevada still wouldn't make it despite if they won, they would be seven and one with the head to head tiebreaker over San Jose State, and San Jose State would still get in over him in the circumstance, which just is which is just still baffling. It's, it's mind boggling. Yeah. I don't think there'd be a change this late in the season anyways, because that's just ridiculous to change it the last week of the season. There'd be really no point. Like I'm surprised it was like that I like that before the season started. But that's the letter of the law. Nevada has to follow the letter of the law. I don't think the team's focusing on it that much. They're just worrying about taking care of their own business because, in a sense, they still control their own destiny. This is still a must-win game. Oh, definitely. And things need to fall in our favor, as we mentioned last podcast, in order for us to you know, get a potential appearance in that Mountain West championship. So not only do we need to win, but unfortunately, yeah, we're going to have to we're gonna have to root on for Boise State. Oh, well. I mean, you have to do what you have to do sometimes, and 
And if Nevada wins. If Nevada wins. If now, Nevada doesn't win, none of this matters. If Nevada does, if Nevada loses, Boise State can lose forty-two to nothing. I, in fact, I would love to see that. But considering the circumstances, I'm hoping we can root for both teams. But we will see. But as we've mentioned, yeah, just each week and how impactful this week is going to be for Nevada's championship appearance their aspirations and what they've worked for throughout this whole year is to get to that spot and it's here i mean the time to grab it and the time to win it is here i don't i don't think either you and i coming into the season i mean i know you didn't but i don't think myself either i didn't expect nevada to be in this position i didn't think nevada would make the mountain west title game i mean i'm sure there was a possibility of course but i didn't think we would get to this point i mean really only austin had I think, what was it, Austin had 6-2? and two? Didn't he have 8-0? Oh? I think that was a joke, though. Oh, but, yeah, I think he realistically had 6-2. and two. Same can be Nevada said for cons- San Jose State. I mean, oh, no one, no, both of them no one in the No yeah. one on the planet had San Jose State being 5-0 and oh at this point. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. It's pretty crazy to see both of these teams defy the odds and just beat their, ex- you know, their preseason expectations and anticipations, so... Just to have both of those teams in that spot competing for an appearance is awesome. So I love to see that. And, you know, obviously Nevada, obviously we're rooting for Nevada, but San Jose State, just what they've done this year too is really awesome. It's a really cool thing to see. And to see them potentially make it into the champ, you know, the championship, I'd be rooting for them as well if it wasn't for Nevada. But, you know, certain things may lie, so. Yeah, this would be their first over 500 season since 2012. And because they went 500 in 2013, they went 11-2 and in 2012. And also in the first two years of Brett Brennan, in 2017 and 2018, they went a combined 3-22. and They went 5-7 and last year. They had the Mountain West Offensive Player of the Year in Josh Love. And I don't think any of us, any of us expected Nick Starkle to also be to perform very well, which he has been in, the, I think, the four games that he's played. And so credit to Brett Brennan for really turning that program around. Oh, definitely. And they're an offensive, you know, we're going to get into it, but they're an offensive firehouse. That's a, no, well, powerhouse. That's what I was trying to say, an offensive powerhouse. That's another tug twister. I've been... Fire, a firehouse. Offensive That sounds kind of cool, though. Yeah. A firehouse. I mean, they have been Except, on like, fire. when it's literally, like... On fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, no, credit, like you said, to Coach Brennan. Uh, he's just been able to continue and sustain success with San Jose State. And when you lose a, lose a player like Josh Love under center, I had no idea how great Stark was going to be this year. And he's been tremendous through each one of his starts. And, you know, he's been at the leeway of a very powerful San Jose State offense, which we'll obviously get into. Do you want to guess the last time that San Jose State entered no entered December with an undefeated record. Oh my gosh, I don't even know. Has that ever happened? I'm gonna guess it, it has. has. It has. Mm-hmm. 1998. Not even close. Not even close. Am I too early or too late? Way too late. It's been a long time. I'm just gonna give you a hint. 1972. 1939. Oh my god. Wow. Just give a round of applause for San Jose State. 
I mean, way to go. Way to go, Spartans. I know we were... They were perfect 13-0 that year. Wow. Wow. So you're talking 80 years. That's ridiculous. That All is... All 81 years, but still, yeah. That's ridiculous. Wow. How cool is that? That's really awesome to see in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, it's it's one of these matchups where you kind of hate to see one of the teams lose, but, you know, that's that's the... That's the case. That's football for you. And with things that have happened this year and have transpired, it it has to kind of be that way, you know. Breaking point has to happen. And, you know, credit Nevada and credit for San Jose State for getting to this point. Getting back to the scenarios again, how bad would it be if Nevada – didn't make the Mountain West Championship game despite winning this game because of a loss to a seventh place team. That's right, seventh. Yeah, place team. Fact that a loss at Hawaii, like you said, to a seventh place team is going to cost us. It could. It's no one knows. Could, yeah, it Boise could State's a double cost. digit favorite against yeah. Wyoming, so again, the scenario is unlikely. But still, Nevada has yeah. to take care of business. You never and know. Boise State has to take care of business. You still have to play the games. Yep. Got to play the games. You got to win the games. You got to win the games. So, but the fact that that can and this isn't a guaranteed win for Nevada. Nevada opens as a two and a half point underdog. No way. I mean, that's this is going to be a very tight knit matchup. And if Nevada does squeak it out, and then to see their season come to, I wouldn't. It's not going to come to an end, but to see their potential Mountain West Championship appearance come to an end if Boise State loses to Wyoming. It's the state of Nevada, or at least the state of northern Nevada, is going to be quite upset, I would hope. Do you think Harson's going to, like, he sees Nevada wins and he's just going to throw the game? I, I mean, I don't, you wouldn't, he would, he's not going to do that, but, like, what if, he, what if that <laughs> actually happened? He's like, oh, Nevada won? Guys, wrap guys, it up. Yeah, uh... We know what to do. Plan B. Plan B, guys. <laughs> what we practiced this week, you know, for 15 minutes. If you Nevada know. wins, we're not going to try. The not score points plays. Yeah, we're gonna start running those right now. No, we'll, I, we'll, we'll give Wyoming one. <laughs> just, but let's just you know, some things have to fall in our favor. But at the end of the day, we have to take care of business, like you said, on our end first, and that's gonna be a tough matchup to be. You know, it's gonna be a tough matchup for both sides, and I I can't wait to get into it. It's going to be exciting. I, I This is a little bit off topic. Did you see Harson's comments on, like, wanting to leave the Mountain West? Yes. <laughs> what do you think about that? I mean... I uh, mean, if if any team were to dude, leave the Mountain West, it would be Boise. It's almost because like... Because they're better than everyone else, usually. How much is the Mountain West catered to Boise State? Especially in football. It's kind of ridiculous. And then you're, like... What do, well, okay, what conference do you think they'd move to? I have oh my god. Would it be just like the Pac twelve? I would I would assume the Pac twelve, but even then, you sure you want to face that competition? I'm not I mean, trying the to Pac-12 say Pac twelve in terms of power five conferences is a joke. It is, but it's still an increase in competition compared to oh, the Mountain West. For sure, for sure. I think they could compete, for sure. Gosh. I think they could compete with potentially the UCLA's Oregon States. Oregon States, Oregon's I don't think they'd be at the top of the conference, but I think they would do well. I just I just don't know how much the Mount like And they're a good basketball school too, so Leon Rice has done a great job with that program over the last several years. It's gonna be interesting to see, but the fact that th- that email came out and leaked was Ooh. not a good look. No. I mean 
depends on how you look at it. Yeah, I mean, Boise State might like it, or Boise State fans might like it, but the I mean, we're the we're off West topic Conference. here. Yeah, I'm sorry. We, we <laughs> you know, just, just Boise State gets us in fumes. I'm sorry. No, it's not in fumes. Or I'm I'm just asking you a question. I, it's just it doesn't. I'm not mad or upset over it. I just thought it was kind of interesting how that came out. But anyways, let's get to San Jose State and yeah. stop worrying about Boise State. San Jose State, again, we talked about it. They're 5-0 and in conference. They have the third-best offense in the conference. They're averaging nearly 420 yards per game. They are the fourth-best scoring team in the conference, averaging 30 a game. They've only played five games. They, the game last week they had against Hawaii was their first game in, like, two weeks, I think, because mm-hmm. of COVID cancellations. Mm-hmm. And so they beat Hawaii, as we talked about, which would give them the tiebreaker over Nevada. Sneakily, a very big win for the program. Is this going to be another – I mean, I, I think I know the answer to this. Do you think this is going to be another high-scoring high game? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think this is going to be a matchup where both offenses have to match each other point for point in so many ways, and I'm not expecting a lot of punts. I am not expecting many you know, field goals. I'm not expecting a lot of teams to just kind of settle for f- points. I think this is just going to be a high-scoring affair like we saw last week against Fresno State. And more of the same can continue. You don't think Talton's going to kick any? I'm not trying to say he won't kick any, but I'm not expecting Nevada to settle for three in a lot of situations, especially with the you know an offensive firehouse that I just keep saying for some reason. <laughs> like San Jose State, you may have to push the pedal and say, okay, we're going to go for it on fourth and one, fourth and two, certain situations. Maybe. I mean, they should be doing that against any team, not just San Jose State. But I agree with what you're saying. Yeah, certainly hope so. So. We will see, but I certainly expect it to be some points put up on both ends. Yeah, I agree with you there. Nick Starkle has been one of the best quarterbacks in the conference this year. He's thrown for near, over 1,100 yards, 11 touchdowns, three interceptions. He has the second-highest QBR in the conference. He has the highest pass efficiency rating in the conference, which essentially is just passer rating, but in college. He's done. He's been really good, and he was a former Arkansas-Texas A&M transfer. No one really knew how good he was going to be because he, considering he struggled at those two schools. But he's blossomed in the San Jose State offense, and San Jose State doesn't really run the ball much. So this will be, depending on how you look at it, this could be one of the best, if not the best, passing attack that Nevada's faced this year. And, I mean, I know we're coming off a game where we allowed 400-plus yards to Jay Kaner in Fresno State. And so you can argue either way. But regardless, this is a very good passing offense, and they have people who can beat you with a good quarterback behind a very good offensive line. Oh, definitely. And a lot of, you know, to Starkle's credit, much of SJSU's offense has relied on his arm, and he's filled the bill and then some. He's been tremendous. And I know going into the year, I didn't have high expectations for him whatsoever. Neither did I. Considering the departure of Josh Love, who was absolutely tremendous with San Jose State last year. Starkle's just taken the reins of that offense and, like you said, truly blossomed under center. He's been tremendous. There's no no other way to say it. Surrounded by weapons, and he's got a lot of talent, I must say. Yeah, they have a pretty good backfield, too, with Tyler Nevins and Kyrie Robinson. Nevins has 270 yards. Robbins has, or Robinson has 217 and so they have a pretty, they have a decently good rushing attack when they do decide to run the ball. They're kind of like Nevada in the sense where they don't run the ball often, or, I mean, they run the ball more than Nevada, but not as often. They're more of a pass-heavy attack. 
And so I'm interested to see how Nevada combats that because a lot of the times, as we've talked about this year, they've faced run-heavy offenses or teams who run the ball more often and who are better running the ball than they are passing the ball. And this will be the really the second consecutive week where Nevada's faced a really good passing attack. Oh, definitely. And Nevada's defense has its work cut out for him once again because there's no, like, there's no real step down from Fresno State to San Jose State. If anything, the competition's higher because the Spartans just put up points in a hurry. They're not afraid to just go out and steamroll guys immediately, and that's what they've been able to do this year. Nevada's going to have their work cut out for them, and, you know, we're going to get into certain ways that hopefully Nevada's defense can make an impact and certain ways to victory, but for right now on paper, I mean, San Jose State is a juggernaut, and they've been a juggernaut this year. Yeah, they run the ball 32 times a game just about, which is the third fewest in the conference. So they don't run the ball often. Pass-heavy attack. I mean, yeah, very similar to Nevada in some ways. They're not as explosive as Nevada is because Nevada's been one of the most explosive teams, not just in the conference but in the nation. But, hey, they'll still get chunks of yardage. Oh, definitely. They move their way down the field, and credit to them. They've been able to string together drives and just be able to consistently put points up on the board. And no matter how it's done, points are up, scores wins. That's what they've been able to do this year. Yeah, Trey Walker, who was considered to be one of the better wide receivers in the conference heading into this season, has just 24 catches for 158 yards. He hasn't even been their best receiver, who has been Bailey Gather. Or Gather? Gather? I think it's Gather. Gather, because it has the eye. He has 29 receptions for 471 yards and four touchdowns. Then they also have... Derek Deese, who has 11 catches for 158 yards and three touchdowns on the year, who was also recently named a semifinalist for the John Mackey Award, which is impressive. I don't know how he got in over Cole, Cole Turner, Turner, but but it is what it is. I mean, he's he's still been good this year. So. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no disrespect to him. Credit to him for being able to, you know, be a consistent force for Starkle and the rest of the Spartans' offense. It was. Just, Real puzzling to see, though, as we'll get into, to see Turner left off that list, considering he's atop the conference and even atop the nation in several statistical categories. So that was weird. That was a weird exemption. Do you think Nevada's going to be able... So we get Dom Peterson back for hopefully a full game. He's still... I don't know if he's going to be 100%. That's really like up in the air. Um, we also get E.J. Muhammad, cornerback who was out last week with a concussion. And I didn't even notice that watching the game until after the fact that he was out. But um, we get we both we, – so we get two pretty key pieces back on the defensive end. And the fact that it helps his – San Jose State's offensive line has only allowed four sacks and seven ta- – or 17 tackles for loss this year. If you average those out over five over a five-game span – those are both top six in the nation per game. So, I mean, they have, they've been a very good offensive line, and part of the reason for Starkle's success and how he's been able to stay in the pocket and make good throws. The foundation to any good offense starts in the trenches, and especially for that offensive line, they've been tremendous. And Nevada needs to generate pressure, but they're going to have their work cut out for them too because they have some maulers there, both in the pass game and the run game. They can make it work so it's going to be interesting to see how Nevada's defense adjusts to see if they can put some pressure on Starkle because 
we haven't really seen Starkel put under pressure this year. We don't know in those types of situations if Nevada can make a play defensively, force a turnover, but you know, you're going to have to certainly try and see and kind of play your hand in that regard. Yeah, I agree. Do you think Nevada at situations is going to bring I mean, they've I mean, every, of course every team's going to do it throughout a game, but how often do you think Nevada is going to bring like five, six, maybe even seven rushes to just see if they can make it uncomfortable for them? I would say in certain if like certain scenarios if we're down by maybe two possessions potentially I could see Nevada turning it up and trying to get the ball out of Starkle's hands quickly not letting him try to make reads down the field in certain ways and maybe test some man-to-man coverage but if the game is tight and kind of close I don't expect Nevada's defense to really just bring the heat immediately because that can really burn us in the end but I would say I could expect more blitzes if we're down, especially early. Try to mix things up and try to find some sort of adjustment. What do you think? Nevada's going to have to get pretty unique and pretty creative with how they blitz throughout the game just to give Starkle some different looks. Because, again, he hasn't faced a whole lot of pressure this year, and it's going to be paramount for Nevada if they want to, if they're for their defense to get off the field and for them to limit as many points as they can to generate that pressure. Yeah, and that may be one of the turning points in the game is if they bring the heat early on to really try to force, it may not, Yeah, just you know, throughout the game. Yeah. I mean, throughout the game and just seeing if they're able to generate consistent pressure and really get the ball out of Starkle's hands and see how they do well. So that could be a real turning point, and if that happens – Putting Nevada's offense back on the field and keeping San Jose State's offense off the field, I mean, that's, that can help you win ball games quickly. How good do you think Nevada's offense is going to do against kind of this 3-3-5, three, 3-4 three, three, hybrid type front? Um, they've been good these last few games, or they meeting San Jose State has been good these last few games. They didn't have a sack against Air Force because Air Force is a triple option offense, and they do things kind of unique compared to everyone else. But they've had 15 sacks in their last four games they had a lot against UNLV especially who's been one of the worst offensive lines in the conference this year and so they've been they've been pretty solid generating pressure better than Nevada has and so I how good do you think especially with Nevada's offensive line how good do you think our passing game is going to be or even our rushing game because again they've generated a lot of pressure I'm not worried about it in the slightest to be honest with you um, I think I made the mistake last week of really kind of diving into the numbers of Fresno State defensively, and I know they were ranking atop the conference in some categories and performed well, but Nevada's passing attack, for the most part, especially from the second quarter on, just looked unfazed in a lot of aspects, and I expect the same here against San Jose State. Nevada's offense has done nothing in throughout this whole year for me to just think that they're immediately going to falter and kind of fizz out, especially with the stakes that this game brings. I'm expecting a high-scoring affair for this very reason because I think Nevada's offense is going to answer San Jose State's high-potent offense tit-for-tat in so many ways. So I'm not phased by it at all. I mean, you could throw the numbers out there, but Nevada's done a tremendous job this year offensively, as we've talked about all year. And this this week, with the expectations, with how hungry this team is going to be, I'm not expecting anything to change. Okay, they've only allowed <clears throat> they uh, San Jose State's only allowed 17 points a game this year. They've allowed 
24 points last week against Hawaii in that 35-24 win. That was the most points they've allowed all season. They allowed 20 points also to New Mexico earlier in the season. Let me just read you there. Just to give you an idea of like the opponents, the type of opponents they face, let me give you an idea of how many points a team has scored against them. And so Air Force scored six. New Mexico scored 21. San Diego State scored 17. UNLV scored 17. And then Hawaii scored 24. So not super, not great offenses really. No, I mean, I know San Diego State's, you know, well-respected offense, but I think in a lot of ways, San Jose State hasn't faced an offense like us this year. Their We're strength just... of schedule per uh, college football reference is 115th in the nation. So we're in the same boat there. Yeah. Good. So that's why I'm not that worried about it, just because I think Nevada's offense is just different from the rest of the conference in so many ways, and they've been tremendous this year I'm not expecting anything to change and this team plays to it just seems like throughout this whole year it seems like the team plays to the uh what am I trying to say like the the expectation or the you know the they'll compete against good opponents yeah yeah they play they play well they kind of just compete to the level of their own competition I mean we've beaten down on some bad teams no I didn't my word there was so bad what am I trying to say they play up to the level of competition I would say they play, you know, they play harder in big games and games okay, that okay, need that, wins, okay, that they, makes more they sense. bring their kind of A game. Right. There's a better terminology out there for it. They've beaten up on the bad teams, which they should do, and they've played to the level of the best teams. Yes. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. They play up to their competition in ways. With the and, exception of Hawaii. Yeah. That's And that's one of the things that could come back and bite us, but I'm not, I'm not expecting that performance whatsoever. It's interesting because... Two players on San Jose State generate over 75% of the team's 15 sacks. There's Kate Hall, who's totaled five and a half sacks. There's Junior Fuhoko, who is who has had five sacks. So they have really two players, their D-tackle and their D-end, who have garnered most of the team's production in the sack category. So I'm interested to see how they do there yeah, and I how mean, they defend that. Yeah, I mean, if you can key in on those two guys, hopefully the rest of San Jose's kind of, you know, pass rush doesn't seem... Fizzles out. Yeah, doesn't seem like they really do carry the load with statistically and performance-wise. So really keying in on those two guys has to be important. And to keep strong upright, you know, we've talked about how San Jose State's, you know, done a great job of keeping Starkle upright. The same can be said. And how it needs to be done for strong, you know, for him to make reads down the field and to showcase what he's truly capable of and... That's important, so you have to zone in on those two guys as well. Yeah, Kyle Harmon has been their best defensive player in terms of just getting tackles and having really an eye for the football, and he has 63 tackles. No one else on the team has more than 40. Then they have two good safeties in Trey Webb and Trey Jenkins, so I'm interested to see how they do in the secondary against this very stout Nevada passing attack. I do agree with you, though. I do think it's going to be a high-scoring game. What are your keys to victory? I got a couple, and I think kind of like for for them to kind of go together, I think one has to happen and then the other. So my first one is just it, it sounds like too good to be true, but it's just like do your best, Nevada's defensive-wise. Nevada needs to do their best to just try to contain San Jose's passing attack. You don't want to get too out of hand. Let them mix in the run on some occasions, but – 
Don't let them beat you in several situations. And I think that comes with some other adjustments that we talked about. But you cannot let the Spartans beat you consistently with Starkle and the rest of his weapons because it can get out of hand in a hurry. And I'm not expecting a lot of that to happen, obviously, in a high-scoring affair. So that kind of leads to my second key to victory. Nevada's offense is going to just have to answer with points. You're going to have to answer with touchdowns. You're going to have to answer as much as you can offensively. You cannot really have many stalled drives, slow starts that we've had this year. This is kind of a different animal, and with the stakes being this high, you're going to have to you know, score so many points on your end. So those were kind of my two keys to victory that lead into one another. If one thing doesn't happen, Nevada's offense is going to have to step up to the plate. What are your keys to victory? Somehow find a way to put pressure on Starkle. As I said, their offensive line has been tremendous this season. I don't necessarily think Nevada should rush six, seven rushes every time, but if you can, find a way to put pressure with four or five at least rushers um, and to limits the one-on-one matchups on the outside. I think Nevada could, as we've talked about, swing this game a little bit. I think getting a sack on a third and long or getting a sack just even on really any down in any distance would really would would help Nevada to a degree. Second one is just limit them in the red zone. They've had one of the best red zone offenses this year. They've scored touchdowns on 72% of their red zone opportunities, which is the second best in the conference. And Nevada's allowed touchdowns on 60% of its red zone opportunities, which is the eighth high or eighth, fourth highest in the conference. And so I'm, or f- fourth or fifth. And so Nevada's going to have to do a good job when they get down there to limit as many scoring opportunities as possible. And we, I, this is a similar key to victory last week, but force more turnovers. Nevada's going to need to find a way to force turnovers and, again, potentially swing this game. We saw it last week. Forcing turnovers kind of helped him out, but also didn't because of, we gave away the ball a lot. We gave away the ball four times compared to only forcing three turnovers. But Nevada forced three turnovers heading into last week versus Fresno State. And they're going to have to force more this week. Because forcing six turnovers in seven games isn't great. No. You're going ha- to have to force more throughout, especially to beat these good teams. And again, San Jose State has not lost a game yet. Nevada's going to fa- have to find a way to beat them. They're the only remaining undefeated team in the conference. No, and you said it. I mean, you saw last week's win against Fresno State kind of needed an impact from all three phases of the game. You know, offense, defense, and special teams. And that's what it takes. It's kind of like a complete effort to beat good teams, and there's no exception like San Jose State, so it's going to need some sort of plays on both ends of the floor. Special teams isn't going to be as bad as a problem for San Jose State as it was for Fresno State last week, which is yeah. really the instance in most weekends. Because oh, again, Fresno State was missing their starting kicker, their starting punter, and their starting long They snapper. had a wide receiver. Yeah, they had and a they wide had receiver kick. Yeah, they had pooch punts and they had a wide receiver kicking. So... so. But it's not going to be that it's Nevada's going to again, but then again, have to find up, a way to force those. And yeah, well, coming up with a block punt, things like that are huge. You know, those are plays that turn the tide. So, but I think part of that's also a byproduct of them just not having the best personnel on the field. And San Jose State will well, likely have their best personnel on the field. Jay Norvell said post game, Ray Guy could be back there no matter what. Nevada got a hand on it. There's oh, a credit for sure. to, for sure. there's a credit to. Nevada's special teams, not really the personnel on those certain plays. But I do see what you mean. But like the bobble. Yeah, the bobble. But I was talking about kind of key plays like the blocked punt. So, and the return game for that matter. But I see exactly what you mean. Yeah. 
What's your prediction? Okay. Listen. I know I had Nevada losing last week to Fresno State. I'm not going out like that in the final game of the regular season. I believe in the pack that I should have done all year. I'm standing by them this time. They are used to playing in Las Vegas to this point. Yeah, we didn't even mention that beforehand. Yeah, I'm sorry. They're, it's it's the game's at San Boyd yeah, Stadium yeah. in Las Vegas. The game Nevada. is not in San Jose State or San Jose because of COVID guidelines in Santa Clara. And it's also not in Reno, Nevada. Nope. It's actually not in between, actually. No. <laughs> um, I, for some reason, my brain thought San Jose was in Los Angeles. That's not true. Did no. you did you know Los Angeles is is farther east than Reno? Huh? Yeah. That's a mind boggle. That's another It's uh, further east than Reno. You could look it up right now. On that's Google Maps. pretty crazy to like wrap your head around. Yeah, Los Angeles. Yeah, you think Los Angeles is like southwest from here. It's actually southeast. Yeah. Fun fact. But um Nevada's playing in Las Vegas. Yeah, anyways, (laughs) which we're used to at this point, being that all games except one, excluding the loss at Hawaii, have been in the state of Nevada. I think that's going to play to the Wolfpack's favor. Do you think Nevada's like when if they get a bull bid, would just automatically have to move the game to Reno? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I would love that. But um, you know, getting back into this, stakes are high. This team rises to the challenge. It's going to be high scoring affair. And I have Nevada squeaking it out, 34-28. And from that point, all the pressure lies on Boise State because a win there and Nevada gets into the Mountain West Championship. So 34-28, Nevada football. You know, I'm not trying to say an upset, but they're two-and-a-half-point dogs, like we said. And I just have faith. I got faith in the passing attack. I got faith in the defense being able to come up and make some sort of plays. And I just have faith in the team as a whole. This team is just so hungry. They always want to improve and strive for greatness in so many ways. It's very cliche to say, but I just think Nevada's going to pull another one, you know, pull another win because they just rise to the challenge. This is the biggest game of the season to this point, and I don't expect anything different. So Nevada, 34-28, that I've said for like the sixth time. Do you are you gonna give your prediction or I will not. I do think Nevada's gonna win. I do think it's gonna be a high scoring game again. I think Nevada will force a few turnovers throughout the game. I do think in the second half specifically they're gonna limit Nick Starkle in the passing attack. I do think they'll do a decent job shutting down the attack. We didn't even talk about Nick Nash who's gonna make appearances because with his legs at yeah. quarterback, so don't be surprised if we see some direct snaps to him throughout the game and like, why is Nick Nash in the game? Okay, yeah, he's going to do a design run. That's why he's in the game. He doesn't attempt very many passes when he's not starting. And he'll he'll be another threat on the ground. But I do think Nevada will have a good defensive game because they do need to win this game. I do think this team is hungry, and I think they will win this game. And then, again, as you said, it's going to be reliant on Boise State to win the game. Yeah, all the pressure would be on them if that's the case. So, but Please don't throw the game. I don't think that'll... I mean, I know it's not going to happen, but <laughs> just saying please don't throw the game. But no. I mean, I'm glad we both agree that Nevada's going to pull out a win because, I mean, no way am I going out on a loss for the last regular season prediction. No way. No way, Jose. But um, no, I think that, that wraps up the preview for Nevada football. Do you have anything more to say? 
No nope. football. Nope. All right, we're gonna be we're gonna talk some basketball. We'll be right back. We are back. Remember, Nevada football will play at 7 p.m. on CBS Sports Network on Friday. But before that, Nevada actually has a men's basketball game versus Grand Canyon at 6. So for writers like you and me, that's going to be just the worst time to be really working. I mean, yeah, working, obviously, but we're going to be doing our basketball recaps, and that's going to be finishing while Nevada's like in the first half of the San Jose State game. So... That's going to be fun and dandy. But anyways, yeah, Nevada will have a game at 6 p.m. against Grand Canyon. It will be the first game this year that Nevada's played in a game with fans. It will be in Phoenix, Arizona. There's going to be a limited amount of fans. And Grand Canyon fans are, have a reputation of being raucous and rowdy and being good, really good fans. Oh, definitely. And yeah, so, it's going to be interesting. I wonder how this young team with two scholarship juniors is going to respond. Because, again, it's the first game this year. Maybe do you, how, how do you think that impacts them? Yeah, I think it's going to be a different environment from what they've been used to this far, you know. Now, to their credit, I bet they've played some sort of raucous, you know, high school matchup or anything like that. Not trying to say that playing with fans is something so different because it's not. But just this year with the circumstances. Everyone's, like, even the freshmen have played with fans at some point in their life. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is this is the first time this year that this extremely young team will have fans in the stands. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see, kind of see them adjust and, you know, just kind of play to the environment and everything like that. But overall, I think the uh, production and kind of like the product on the floor won't change. The game will be on the Mountain West Network, and it'll be on ESPN3. So whatever way you want to access that, you can. I don't believe it's going to be on TV specifically. At least that's not what I what I've heard yet, but Grand Canyon's 3-0 in the season, although they won by, and they've won by an average of 28.7 points per game, so nearly 29 points per game, but they've faced some pretty, really bad competition. Okay, the three wins came against Mississippi Valley State, who's I don't know if you knew this, Isaiah, 357 out of 357 teams in Ken Palm rankings, and so they're technically the worst team in Division One per those rankings. They've faced Grambling State, who's 333rd out of 357, and they also face an NAIA team. Granted, they have beaten up on those teams, obviously, with the point margin of 28.7 points per game, so I don't really know what to think about Grand Canyon, but they do have two monsters in the paint. Oh, definitely. And, you know, I just think this matchup's going to be a bit different for Grand Canyon because, like you said, we're not that low in the rankings, obviously, and we have... I think we're 120. We have something to prove on our end as well, and we're hungry and feisty. So just have to really do a good job of trying to control the paint and really try to win the battle of the boards, which may be tough, as you mentioned, with two of their big guys down low. Yeah, two big guys, Alessandro Lavar or Lavere and Ashbourne Mitgod. I'm trying to do like the best pronunciations I can for those names. Sorry, Lavere is averaging a team high 16.7 points per game and six rebounds per game. He was a second-team old whack member last year, averaging nearly 16 a game with five and a half rebounds a game. And then Moscard is averaging 
or Midgard is averaging 14 points, 13 rebounds a game, which is the second most rebounds per game in the nation. As a team, they are averaging 50 rebounds a game, which is also the second most in the nation. They're out-rebounding their opponents by 22 rebounds a game. So this is going to be an interesting test for Nevada. Although, again, I don't know what to think of this team because of the competition that they face, but they've done really well against the bad teams this year. They're averaging 84 points a game. And I forgot to mention Midgard is a former teammate of Nevada's Grant Sherfield. Midgard spent mm. three years at Wichita State, including last year. He was grad transfer this year. Sheriffwood, of course, spent one year with Wichita State last year. So there's some familiarity there. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that's going to be interesting kind of to see them face off on the court. But, you know, to your point, yeah, they, they do a good job of controlling the paint and really getting after the board. So it's going to be interesting to see how Offord adjusts. Maybe he brings out some sort of starting lineup or maybe brings in more bodies. Just you, try to find that combination down low to combat those two. Do you think he's going to produce the same same starting lineup as last time? I do not think so. I think K.J. Himes is going to be back in the starting lineup. Why? Just for rebounding purposes, and I think he's been able to play down low and be kind of physical for that very reason. And you know what? I would love to see Robbie Robinson make an appearance. If this is any game where they need rebounding more than anything, this could be a Robbie game, but I don't expect him to start right away. But he may be key contributor off the bench. It'll be interesting to see who he goes with because this could be another game where Alford just flips it on its head and <laughs> jots out another starting lineup. So it'll be just kind of interesting to see. But one thing we really have to do is key in on the boards. What if he starts Robbie and Warren and uh, Zane all in the same starting lineup? Big. I don't think you do that. Yeah, that's pretty big. But Robbie is a big guy three. Yeah, he is a big guy three. He's very big guy three. That's not even a real. That's that's quite the terminology. It's not a big guy. Not three. even. You're the starting big guy hey, three today. Hey, Robbie, you're big guy three today. All right, man. You're, you're big, guy, big three. guy three. So just do what you do. Anyways. Robbie rebounds. Big guy three. That's what you're doing. Big guy three. Big guy three. I like. That. I actually, instead like of that. small ball, we're doing big ball. Big ball. Why is that not a thing? Big, big ball. Because upsizing is worse than downsizing. That's why it's not a thing. Love that. But hey. Big ball tonight. Hey, hey, you're being a big ball three. Big ball. But anyways, yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who exactly, you know, gets trotted out there and see what adjustments are made if Nevada gets hounded on the boards early. Grand Canyon is shooting 62.9% on two-pointers this year. Is that good? I don't know. It's only like It's only like top really 20 good. In, yeah, it's only like top 20 in the nation. Good. We sure that's good? I guess we Listen, could say it's good. Some it's would, I, know, I know. I don't want to be contrarian on this podcast, but I think it's good. Yeah. Some would say it's good. Some would say it is a good number to have when you're shooting two-pointers. Yeah. Those percentages work in your favor more often than not. So I would... You know, it's bad. They're 28.6% three-point percentage. <laughs> it's a great transition. I love that. Yeah, that's not good. No, <laughs> not at all. No, I mean, we've shown that's not one of their strengths as a whole thus far. And, you know, maybe it's forcing them into those tight, tightly contested looks throughout the night and really hound the boards. That can kind of be a good combination to work off of. This is something to look out for. Like you mentioned the rebounding. It's something to look out for throughout the game because Nevada in these last couple of games specifically just at times have allowed some offensive rebounds and 
some balls have gotten away from him. They've allowed second possessions, especially since we faced San Francisco and William Jessup, who are two good two do are two teams who are willing to jack the three pointer up, which in turn creates longer rebounds. And so I wonder, considering they have a poor three point shooting percentage, and they have two excellent rebounding big guys, I wonder. Not excellent rebounding, but they have one excellent rebounding big guy and one pretty good ex, pretty good rebounding big guy. I wonder how Nevada. I wonder if we just see five guys on the glass. Yeah, I mean that's we might we might have everyone crash the we might have be having everyone crash the glass this game. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean that's literally the core strength of Grand Canyon to this point, and if you take that away, it's almost like they're nothing. I'm not trying to say that, but gosh, it's. You take that away, that's a huge focal point of their team as a whole. So, you know, just zoning in and focusing on that one key aspect can pay dividends for us. Yeah, they're 23rd in the nation in offensive rebounding. They average 14.3 per game. My goodness, that is a lot of rebounds. Again, (laughs) we don't really know how good they are because of the competition. That's why. So it's kind of hard to predict this game in a sense. But, again, it is in Phoenix, Arizona. There will be fans there. This is their fourth home game of the year. They haven't played a road game yet. Lucky them. Yeah. Ridiculous. But Nevada's also beaten some, like, good teams. Mm -hmm. Like, they beat... I don't... I mean, Nebraska is a good team for the level of competition that Nevada typically faces. North Dakota State isn't a bad team. North Dakota State almost beat Kansas. And so they face some pretty pretty solid teams this year and they've beaten some pretty solid teams do you think this would be a game where nevada's offense like we saw a lot we saw against william jessup and nia team do you think this game is going to be a jump start for their offense oh, i would certainly hope so i think it certainly it's going to kind of play out that way we're going to see another high efficient shooting game from the floor multiple contributors and i think that's one of the ways to really get grand canyon out of its comfort zone i think if you hit them early and often with good points and solid ball movement and you know, catch up to a quick lead. I don't know if they're going to have the firepower to come back in that regard, especially offensively. So if you can really lock down that offensive game plan, I think you can really roll with this one. How do you think about that? No, I do think you're right. Grand Canyon's allowing 55 points a game, but I think Nevada could maybe provide a scoring punch. Maybe it's kind of iffy for me because Again, the offense hasn't been efficient except for the one NIA team we played this year. And so Nevada's offense is going to be better. I think it's just more defensively. Like, how good are you going to be defensively? I think we've seen in the first three games when Nevada wasn't facing these high-octane three-point shooting teams that they were much better in the half-court defensively. And I think that even with two, two stout big guys, I think Nevada can still do a good job. It also just depends on the personnel who's on the court, but I think Nevada's just going to throw bodies at Mitt God and Leva. Yeah, those are hard names to pronounce. Yeah. I'm sorry. Apologies if I kind of butchered your name there. Yeah, I don't. I'm not good with foreign names. I'm not even good with Isaiah's name. Isaiah. You know, I've heard him say that before. <laughs> Sometimes you just call him Isaac. No, I, yeah, I just call you Isaac. Yeah. Or I just work. call you Gerald. 
Gerald Johnson. That's going to be your name from now on in this podcast. That's cool with me. I'm with my co-host, Gerald Johnson. How are we doing today? Oh, sorry. Did I butcher your name for the uh, 200th time? My my bad. My fault. It's that silent H in your name. Sorry. (laughs) It's that silent uh, I-S-A-I-A-H in your name. Sorry, man. I didn't... Didn't notice. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't notice. (laughs) Anyways. um... All right, Gerald. Do you have anything else to add about this uh, Grand Canyon game? Do you think Nevada's going to win? Yeah, I expect Nevada to come out with another win. They've been playing well and coming off that offensive game they had against William Jessup. Expect that offensive performance to continue. Get Grand Canyon out of its comfort zone early and another win. I don't think Nevada's going to win this game. Really? Yeah. Should I just mute myself right now for saying that? No, no. I mean... I don't think Nevada's going to win this game. Okay. I just think the presence down low... I don't. Does Nevada have the horses down low? It's going to be a big test. It's for sure do. the biggest just, test of the year. I just think it's going to be. I just think we I have think a, it's... a rotation of guys we could send out there. Right? Okay. As long as we have fresh bodies that we oh, can send sure. out there, I think that's going to work in our favor. Alford usually likes to play ten deep, but yeah, there's there is going to be some fresh bodies out there. I do think it's going to be close though. I oh, think definitely. Because I'm coming down to like a sixty-six, sixty-two, like type game. I don't think Nevada's going to score a lot of points. Um. No, definitely. I mean, I can I can see what you mean. This could be a tightly knit contest, but Nevada's offense is just going to have to be probably its best it's been all season. And can you and like you said, can you live off that? You know, can you live up to those expectations? Considering some of the struggles it, they've had, they've been inconsistent. You know what? You know it's going to be key to this game: free throws. Oh gosh, and you know our struggles there. Yeesh. Yeah, it hasn't been hasn't been the best. Isaiah, do you want to know something cool? I mean, this is completely off topic, but you know that Grand Canyon played Mississippi Valley State. You know who Mississippi Valley State played first in their first game of the season? Who? Eric Musselman and the Arkansas oh Razorbacks. Do you want to know how much they lost by? Yeah. They lost by 80. Wow. 142 to 62, Arkansas beat Mississippi Valley State. That's disgusting. Shout you out Eric Musman. If you're listening to this, out, if you're listening to this podcast, bus. man, love you, man. Must bus, miss you. We miss you. We um, love Steve, but we miss you. Yeah. Oh. I've tuned into a couple of their games this season. Not yeah. that one, but. Have they been good? They've been oh, yeah. solid. They've, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. They've been good. Don't expect anything less in that regard, but. Wow. Yeah, man. Connor Vanover's like, like Chris Dott and I. That's not true. <laughs> Yeah, Desi Sills is fun to watch. Vance Jackson, former Mountain West alumni from New Mexico, is there. Yeah, he's 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 uh I think John Rostein calls Eric Musselman the importer. He imports a lot of uh transfers into his program. That's a good nickname. Yeah. Like no, after he... every win, John Rostein does his tweets for like certain coaches and for Eric Musselman. It's the importer. I like that. I don't mind that, and it's fitting. Oh, for sure. What he did yeah. in Nevada, now what he's doing in Arkansas. But anyways, that was completely off topic. Yeah. We just have to find a way to involve Eric Musman in every basketball podcast that we do. Definitely. <laughs> for, the, for the betterment. I of... know some fans have probably already turned it off because they're still upset about him leaving in the way he did, but I'm not, and I don't think you are. No, it is what it I is. I was never really. Point. I was never really mad. But I know some people were, and it's okay to each their own. But anyways, oh, I think he made the right. I think he certainly made the right choice for sure. I mean, he's Arkansas is legit. Yeah, they're a great program. 
can't blame him at all. No, I, not I, at all. I, for me too. It's I know it was tough to see, but I thought you could see the writing on the wall, especially. I don't know why we're going so deep into this, but yeah, I mean, we could talk about that situation, what we experienced on campus. Oh man, throughout. like that could be a separate podcast one of these days. Ooh, talk about a day where school was silent. Yeah, it was definitely. also like during finals, I think. Nevada baseball was playing. Well, I mean, I was at the game, so oh. when the news dropped. Well, yeah, okay. When the news dropped, I was in my dorm. Gosh. That was pretty I think it was awesome. Darian's like, write a story. And I was like, all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Any, simple as that. Anyways, Nevada at Grand Canyon. Nevada's going to have to have a good offensive performance. Nevada's averaging just, just 65 points a game this year in games where they haven't played NAIA teams. So they're going to have to put together a good scoring performance and probably to win this game. It's going to be an interesting environment. I really have no idea what to expect from this young team in terms of how they're going to respond to the crowd. I don't know if it's going to be too much different, but of course there is that fan impact we haven't seen this year. And so it could be, and it's a road, it, it's a road crowd too. It's not going to be a home crowd. So this could potentially get fuel, away from them. Yeah. Fuel some runs for Grand Canyon. We really don't know yet, but I don't think Nevada is going to win this game. I think it'll be close, but I don't think so. Yeah, I can see the points you're making where Grand Canyon can come away with the win. I'm just confident coming off our offensive performance that we could just string together some consistency and really hound the boards with fresh bodies, and I have faith in that regard because if we get this win, it's a big win. It's a statement win, especially, like you said, being on the road with fans, that's going to be different, and it's just, it can just really kind of help jumpstart the year as a whole. Yeah, this will be the second-to-last non-conference game of the season with the next one being at San Diego next Monday. Pending San Francisco, if they reschedule that postponement, nothing's come out yet. I don't know if they're going to reschedule that for this season, but if they don't, that'll just be, that'll just be on the 2021-22 uh, schedule for next season. But this will be Nevada's second-to-last non-conference game of the season. So we're closing out. We're already closing out a non-conference schedule. And you're right, I do agree. Maybe if we do, maybe because of last game, maybe it does, it's a little kick in the butt for just getting our offense going, getting the pieces put together, because as the season goes on, I'm sure Nevada will get better and better and better in that department and just and just all around, um, just shore up all the weaknesses that they have in this very young group, and they'll be building and growing together as the season goes on. And we'll see developments of that, but I wonder if, the game against William Jessup would be a kick in the pants. Again, I don't know. I don't think they're going to win this game. I hope I'm wrong. A reminder, again, Nevada basketball will play Grand Canyon, 6 p.m. tomorrow night, Friday night. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon. Friday night, 6. Nevada football, biggest game of the season. Yep. They'll be playing at 7 p.m. They'll be on CBS Sports Network. That's going to be another massive game. Both of the games I think Nevada is going to be underdogs in. Hopefully that results in two victories. Also big weekend, or also big Saturday if Nevada football wins. They'll need Boise State to win their game, obviously. And then, of course, for me, being an Army brat, Army-Navy this weekend. One of my one of my favorite games of the year, Army-Navy. I don't know how you feel about it. I don't know if you watch no, it much. It's, but it's it, awesome. But it's one of my favorite times of the year. My dad being a West Point graduate and him still being in the military and being an Army brat, that's one of my favorite times of the year, and we always – sit down and watch that. Usually we would go out. We can't really do that this year and with COVID and everything, but I'll be at home watching that. So it's going to be a jam-packed weekend, and I'm really looking forward to it. 
yeah, it's going to be fun. And hopefully Nevada comes away victorious in both sports and, you know, just continue this grind we've all been on throughout this kind of unprecedented year. So I can't wait. It's going to be another fun weekend in Nevada sports. Another fun week, I should say. Go Nevada. As always. Go Army, beat Navy. Go Army, beat Navy. That's going to be... I like that. That's That flows. Well, I mean, that's the chant for uh, Army, Navy. Because then for Navy, it's go Navy, beat Army. But we don't say that in my house. I don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't either. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, go Army, beat Navy. Go Nevada, of course. Beat San Jose State. Yeah, go Nevada, beat San Jose State. Go Nevada, beat Grand Woo! Canyon. Yeah. Woo! Go Nevada, beat Grand Canyon. Yeah, love it. Anyways, that should do it. Isaiah, do you have anything, have anything else to add? No, sir. Like and subscribe. Give us a rating. A five-star rating. In fact, Isaiah's favorite term on the planet. It it's the greatest. Or Gerald's favorite term, however yeah. you want to call him. You could just call him Gerald. Yeah, go right ahead. Yeah. It's perfectly fine. <laughs> Shout out Gerald. Shout out all the Geralds out there. You're, you're Gerald. Shout out me. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, thank you for listening. We will uh, see you next week.